what I want to do then with you this evening is, uh, just in talking to Christopher, I felt like he uh, felt like it would be helpful for me to come and teach. And I just wanted to share a few things with you. And we're going to take two sessions this evening. And we're really going to do a bit of a Bible study. We're going to look into Scripture together. And, and if you don't have your Bible with you, at least if you need to use your phone, obviously it'll be up on the board. Um, and I'd encourage you to actually look at Scripture yourself. And I want to touch on a topic this evening that is actually a very important topic for us and one that every single believer is called to walk into, but is something that has caused a lot of controversy uh, over the years, and it's caused a lot of confusion among Christians over the years. And it's on the topic of spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. Now, if I have to ask you, what is your spiritual gift? Um, some of you might know what your spiritual gift is, but maybe some of you are like, gift? I don't know, I had a gift. Uh, what, what are the spiritual gifts? What does that mean? Some of you might have even been taught badly on the spiritual gifts, and there's a lot of strange teaching that's out there, even on things on the gift of tongues and various other aspects. So what I want to do this evening is we're going to do two sessions, two short sessions, where we're going to look at the spiritual gifts, and I want to give some principles. And at the end of the day, I want to put in you a desire and a hunger for more of the Lord, and a desire for, for these things, that this is for every single one of us to walk in, um, not just for the super saint or the one that's just, you know, up front has a spiritual gift, but actually in God's body, we all have spiritual gifts, and we're called to operate in them. So I want us to start in 1 Corinthians 12, and um, I want us to look at a scripture. Then I want to unpack a bit of this with us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. All right, so is everyone with me with my English? Amal Fistan? We don't need an interpreter? Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So let's have a look together. 1 Corinthians 12. And what it says here, uh, Paul's writing and he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts... Brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And so the aim for us this evening is that we're not uninformed, but want to be informed on what the Scriptures say. You know that when you are pagans, and what is a pagan? A pagan is someone in the ancient world that worshipped many gods. It wasn't someone that didn't believe in God. They just believed in many gods. And so he said, we're not like the pagans. You were led astray by idols, mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to stop there, and I just want to ask the question about who is the Holy Spirit, because I think that's actually a good place to start when we talk about spiritual gifts. Who is the Holy Spirit? And he says that no one can say Jesus is Lord unless it's by the Holy Spirit. And what you find is that if you're someone that is Spirit-filled, and you're led by the Spirit, and you um, in fact, a Christian is supposed to be someone who's full with the Spirit. The problem is, I know if you've grown up in a traditional background, like I did, I grew up in um, a very traditional church. I was out of the Catholic background, Katholike Kerk. Um, I don't know if you know what that is, Catholic Church. It's, you know, you've got the priest as a father, is uh, dressed up, and you know, it's father so-and-so. Um, and so being French, I grew up in the Catholic Church, very traditional. But because I grew up in South Africa, I grew up in Port Elizabeth in, in the Eastern Cape, is that we had charismatic churches 
that lived, were in the same area as ours. And I had some people at school that were charismatics. They went to the, the Happy Clappy Church. And uh, that's what we called them, the Happy Clappies, because they were obviously used to clap and shout and sing, and they used to speak in tongues. And we were like, this is, the, this is weird. Not only that, but I've got a exetwierling, I've got a twin brother, and my twin brother actually went to one of their meetings, and he joined their youth group for a while, Skanda. And so we were like, who are these people? They're crazy. Do they swing from the chandeliers? Do they roll on the floor? We, we were just like, this is crazy. Stay far away from them. And, um, and specifically, growing up in that environment, I could say I believed in God, God the Father, but the term the Holy Spirit meant for me, I never had an understanding of who the Holy Spirit was. And for me, the Holy Spirit was some kind of almost um, mystical fog or divine energy, that the Holy Spirit was somehow something that the charismatics believed in, where almost this energy that would bounce off the walls or make people do crazy things. And it was only after I, became, I got saved, I was about 17 years old when I got born again, uh, and I actually had a friend who was a charismatic. He came from the Happy Clappy Church. Uh, it was a church like ours, actually, and he drew me in just into the youth group, and I got born again. And through that experience, I still thought that the Holy Spirit was a force. I didn't realize that the Holy Spirit, that when the Bible speaks about the Spirit, the Bible speaks about the Spirit as a person. And it mentions, for example, you know, in John 14, and I just want us to look there. I mean, I know some of you know this, many of you know this, but for me, this was a massive stumbling block to actually receiving the, the spiritual gifts and learning how to walk in spiritual gifts. Because as we'll see in 1 Corinthians 12, it's the Holy Spirit that empowers you, enables you, unlocks the spiritual gifts in our lives. And, um, and so it's clear, I mean, if you look at 1 Corinthians 14, you know, it speaks about how the Holy Spirit, uh, we can't just mention 1 Corinthians 14, 16 to 17, and it mentions, um, no, it's not, sorry, I meant to say John. Why did I say 1 Corinthians? All right, anyway, I'm referencing it's in John 14, and it mentions that the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I will leave him with you, and he is called the helper, right? And so he is this being who is like Jesus, and he's one who came in the ministry of Jesus, um, that as Jesus goes to heaven, he says, it's better that I go, because I'm going to send to you the helper, and I will give him to you. It's using personal language of one who is a person. And throughout the Bible, whenever the New Testament speaks about the Holy Spirit, it mentions him as having a will, as having a mind, as having emotions, and it's someone that you can hurt his feelings, that you can grieve. And I realized very quickly that, you know, the Holy Spirit is someone that you can talk to. Um, and if you read, we don't have time, but I'd encourage you to go through the book of Acts, almost like do a jet tour. If you just take a cokey or, or pencil, not a cokey, that's probably a bad idea with your Bible, pencil, and you just read through every time the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the book of Acts. And the one thing you find is you find that the person of the Holy Spirit was the traveling companion of many people as they went to preach the gospel. That the Holy Spirit wasn't some force, but the Holy Spirit led them. It's, for example, he spoke to Paul saying, I want you to go there. He warned um, others in a dream, said, don't do that. He led them and he prompted people to do certain things. And so I, I began to realize that actually the Holy Spirit is a person. 
and, I, and, I, and I've grieved him because I haven't treated him as a, as a person that I can talk to and commune with. You know, the Bible says that we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and you can't have fellowship with a force. You can't have fellowship with some, someone that's I- something that's impersonal. And, um, and the wonderful thing about John 14 with the scripture is in John 14 says, I'm going to give you this helper. Um, I know some versions, I'm sure you know this, but in some versions it says that the Holy Spirit, instead of the word helper, it says he's your lawyer or your advocate or your comforter. He's someone that comes and he's living inside of you that when you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, he comes and resides inside of you and he is one that, that helps you in your faith, enabling you to to follow the Lord and obey the Lord, in many ways, the Holy Spirit is your traveling companion. He's the one that actually uh, shows you the love of God. And every time you experience the presence of God, and you are in a place where even if you pray, and you have that sense of the peace of God, have any of you experienced that? Where you pray, and maybe you're in a very difficult situation, and you, you give your burden to the Lord, and as you do so, it's a sense of the peace of God, Or how many of you, when you come to church and you're worshiping the Lord and you have a sense of the joy of the Lord or a sense of the presence of God or, you know, you have that, that sense that is the Holy Spirit showing you the love of God, um, pouring out the love of God into your heart. It's not just your feeling, it's the person of God, the third person of the Trinity that is living inside of you. And you know, what's wonderful about this John 14 scripture, it mentions how the Holy Spirit is this the one who stands on your behalf, your uh, comforter, encourager. There's lots of different nuances to that. The wonderful thing about that is that in 1 John chapter 2, it says that you actually have two comforters or two helpers. You've got one within you and you've got one in heaven. And in 1 John chapter 2, and I'm just mentioning to you in passing, in 1 John 2, it says that Jesus Christ is your advocate in heaven. And so that is amazing. So in many ways, for, what is the wonderful thing for us as believers is that you have two lawyers or two defenders defending you. You've got one defender within you, and you've got a defender in heaven, 1 John 2 says. He's your parakletos, your comforter, your advocate, your helper in heaven. And you know, if you've ever had, if you've got two lawyers, you can never lose a case. If God is for you, who can be against you, right? And so we're dealing with this wonderful, precious promises, is that this God within us, the Holy Spirit, and we've got a, a God in heaven, the second person of the Trinity, and they're for you. And so we, this is just a wonderful promise. And so the Holy Spirit is someone then who um, is a person, he's part of who God is. And, you know, just a personal story, um, so when I got born again, when I was 17, got born again, and I had read about in the Bible, and I'd had friends tell me about experiences that they had where they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to experience the gifts of the Spirit. Some of them began to speak in tongues. Others of them began to experience the power of God that you read about in the book of Acts, where they had boldness, but so much boldness that they were able to be transformed from timid, scared people into bold evangelists that would go out and were not scared of, of laying their lives down for Jesus. And, and I, I was hungering, and in me, my matricia, I was in grade 12, I desired this. I was like, Lord, 
I want to have the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I know that I'm born again, and the Bible says that I have the Spirit, but I want the Spirit to have me. I want the Spirit to have me. I want to be filled. I want to experience this power. I want to have the baptism or the infilling of the Spirit. And I prayed the whole year, and I had friends pray for me, and I, and I remember one church service, um, this youth group I was going to, they had a call, and the call was, those of you that want to speak in tongues, come to the front and we'll pray for you so that you can receive the gift of tongues. So I went to the front, of course, like I'll, I'll go for anything. Ran to the, well, didn't run to the front, went to the front. And guys prayed for me and they said, receive the gift of tongues. And I remember going, oh, what do I do? And nothing happened. And I realized that I'd received a bad teaching because they didn't ever explain to me that when you want to receive the spiritual gifts, you actually have to go back to receive the giver of the gifts. That before ever we talk about gifts, we start with the giver. We start with the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's what it, it says in 1 Corinthians 12. It says that, that the Holy Spirit, as we'll go and he's the one that empowers you to operate in the spiritual gifts. He enables you to do things. And so what I began to do that year, I began to go on a journey where I began to actually talk to the Lord. And I said, Lord, would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? Would you fill me with, with what I read about in Acts? And, and Holy Spirit, I want to invite you into my life. And I began to talk to him as I would talk to a friend. I'd wake up in the morning. I, I remember reading this book. Some of you might know it called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And I remember having to wake up in the morning and go, Good morning, Holy Spirit, so that I could learn how to, how to converse and, and just learn to open up my life to be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And at some point, I, was, I began to operate in like the gift of tongues, but it's because it was an overflow of someone that I'd begin received the Holy Spirit. And someone, you might say this, and so I'm going to digress a bit and then get to spiritual gifts. We've got two sessions. You might ask the question, you know, but how do I know if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, right? How do you know? Because, you know, in Romans chapter 8, I mean, it says, and again, I, sorry, you can read that on your own. But in Romans 8, it says that no one can be born again without the Spirit. No one can belong to God without the Spirit. So the re if you ever respond to God, you get water baptized and you give your life to the Lord, that is only possible by the Holy Spirit that makes you alive. And we know that being a Christian is not being a bad person and now you're a good person. You know, ek was slech, is it, and no, ek is goed. You know, Christianity is saying, no, I was dead and now by the Spirit, I'm alive. And when we come to Christ, we, He makes us alive within us, Titus says. He makes us born again. He regenerates us. So you can't be a Christian if it's not for the Holy Spirit. But in a sense, if we read Acts, this fullness of the Spirit that we walk in and... Um, and so what happened was, you know, the question is, anyway, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. How do you know if you're filled with the Spirit? And something that I saw is that in the book of Luke and in the book of Acts, and again, this, you're going to have lots of homework, that if you go and read Luke, you're already going to read Acts, but if you go through Luke and go through Acts, you find that every time, and it mentions there because those two books, the author seem to have a focus on the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. And every time in the book of Luke, it mentions people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. It mentions uh, Zechariah in the beginning, who's John the Baptist's father. It mentions Mary, 
who visits Elizabeth. He mentions Elizabeth, and it mentions that when they get filled with the Spirit, and then you read the book of Acts, that when they get filled with the Spirit, something happens to them. Something that is consistent from beginning to end with every single person. You know what it is? Something happens to their lips. Something happens to their mouth where they either begin to praise God with a loud voice, they begin to speak in tongues, they begin to speak boldly the word of God, they begin to uh, pray with boldness, they begin to prophesy, something happens to their lips. And so if you want to know if you're filled with the Spirit, you will know you're filled with the Spirit because something will begin to happen. There's an overflow that will happen to your lips. And so... That happened to me, and so what happened was I was desiring the Spirit, and um, at the end of my matric year, um, I had a dream one night, and in my dream, um, anyway, I had this dream, and I woke up in the middle of the night uh, after my finals on holiday, and I, and I got down on my knees, and I just, I felt this heaviness to pray, and as I prayed, I remember the Lord came, and I just felt the sense that I could speak out, and I began to speak in other tongues, but something happened to my lips. I've got other friends that don't speak in tongues, but they know how to praise God. I've got one friend that he was as timid as a mouse. He was like, you know, you would never hear him. He was in the corner, you know, he would come to church, timid, you know, drink his coffee, walk out, timid. And one day he was prayed for and he got filled with the Spirit. And this man began to shout. Every time it was like, yes, Lord. You know, you'd hear him like, hallelujah. He was just like, who is this guy? What happened to him? How do we know he was full of the Spirit? Because something happened to his lips. He began to praise God with a loud voice. Because out of the heart, it overflows to the mouth. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked here. That's just, that's just free. That's just a free, free story. It's not part of tonight. So... I want to give you this evening four characteristics, or sorry, three characteristics of spiritual gifts, three areas to kind of help equip you in, in terms of how to walk in spiritual gifts. Obviously, the first thing is, if, when we're going to go back to 1 Corinthians 12, okay, and we read the first three verses that mentions about this person of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit helps us to say, Jesus is Lord, um, in other words, I know, uh, let me just say this quickly as, as I carry on as well, is that some people might be very skeptical about, ah, those spiritual people, you know, they make so much of the Holy Spirit. That's all they talk about. Whereas people that are, you know, I don't know if you know guys like John MacArthur, well-known Bible teachers in the English community, they're very conservative. They would be what we call cessationists. In other words, they don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit for today. They believe that the gifts of the Spirit, tongues, prophecy, that that has been done away with, with the apostles, and that the only gift that God gives you and I today is the Bible. That's what they believe. And they're very wary of spiritual gifts. They say, ah, spiritual gifts, you know, they, it's just not for today. But... I want to say this, that we find in when you someone, and they're scared that we take the emphasis and the spotlight away from Jesus, but the thing is this, is that when you are someone that is filled with the Spirit, 
actually you begin to make much of Jesus. You begin to talk about the Lord. You begin to love him. You begin to see him in, in new ways. That when you're someone that is a spirit person, actually Jesus comes out of, your, out of your lips in a beautiful new way. I've not yet met someone who's been filled with the spirit that has taken the focus away from Jesus. And so be comforted by that. That's what he says. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except for the spirit. All right. Anyway, so let's carry on. And let's look at three things that I want to give you. And we'll look at number one about what are the spiritual gifts and what are characteristics of the spiritual gifts. All right. We can also do a bit of a Q&A this evening if you want. Um, if there are any questions later. I don't know if you might be a tough crowd. So you might be like, um, or you might be <coughs> firing away. You know, I hope you ask me questions because I find sometimes these kind of evenings will raise more questions than answers. You know, we'll actually, and, and that's good because we won't be able to cover things. Or maybe you've had an experience in the past or you've read a scripture that might, you will understand differently. And please, later we'll get a chance to ask questions. All right. So let's look at number one. Characteristics of spiritual gifts. Number one. We find firstly, the first thing is there are many different types of gifts. Okay. This is very, very basic, but it's very important. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12 from verse 4 to verse 6. And it says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Okay? And so here, in other words, there are many different kinds of gifts. And if you read through your New Testament, you find that there are mentioned at least 30 different types of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. At least 30. And there's different lists that the New Testament authors give of the spiritual gifts. Can you think anywhere in the Bible um, or in the New Testament where spiritual gifts are mentioned? Because normally they aren't mentioned on their own. They're mentioned with various grouped together. Okay, obviously the one is here in 1, in, in 1 Corinthians 12. If you look, for example, just after this, he mentions nine gifts. And um, we won't look at it now, but it mentions the gifts of, I'll just mention it to you in verse 8. It mentions the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, the working of miracles, the gift of prophecy, the ability then to discern, the discernment of spirits. Mentions um, the interpretation of tongues and the gift of tongues. And it says that these gifts, they're different types of gifts, but they come from one spirit. Okay. Now, where else in the New Testament would it mention about spiritual gifts? Does anyone else know? Very good. Romans 12. Romans 12 has a list of spiritual gifts that it mentions. We'll have kind of touch on that just now. Where else does it mention spiritual gifts? All right, Ephesians 4, and that, men that, um, that mentions spiritual gifts in terms of people. And it says that when Jesus ascended into heaven, um, he, sorry, yeah, when he ascended, he gave gifts to people. And he said, what kind of gifts did he give? It mentions five different types of people. Do you know what they are? The? You want? Hey, well done, man. It's Valen, eh? Ah, sorry? Rian, okay, where's Valen? 
Okay, I know I saw Valen last night. Sorry, you look both good-looking guys. I just got you guys confused. All right. All right, so Ephesians 4 mentions these spiritual people, these gifts, but they really are spiritual gifts. They're given by the Holy Spirit. Um, anywhere else? Anyone else wants to mention? 1 Peter chapter 4 mentions kind of a broad overview of spiritual gifts. Um, interesting enough, I know in one, I think 1 Corinthians 7, it mentions two types of spiritual gifts as the 30 that we often don't talk about. Number one, which would be the gift of celibacy, which in other words is the gift of being single for the rest of your life. And the gift of marriage is the other one. If any of you want me to pray for you for the gift of singleness, um, <laughs> you're born with that one, yeah. I know, I sometimes say to the students, if you want me to pray for you for the gift of celibacy, come, they're like, uh-uh, you know. No, 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 give me the gift of marriage, you know. I don't know when, but the Lord does determine. And so um, we find those. And then we find also in 1 Corinthians further 12, verse 28, it mentions again some more spiritual gifts. And with all these spiritual gifts that are mentioned, and I'm going to actually just run through them with you quickly, the idea of tonight is not to focus on the gifts specifically, because I want to give you principles around the gifts, but obviously if you've got questions on specific gifts, we can talk about that. But what I'm going to just mention to you, what you're going to find with, this, with the, these different lists is that some of the gifts get repeated a number of times. And some of the gifts are only mentioned once, okay? And now we're going to look at why is that? Um, I know in, 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 if you're from a Pentecostal church, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 8, it's like the nine gifts. Oh, no, brother, you've just got the nine, you know? Those are the spiritual ones. The rest are you know, different types of gifts, but, in one but these ones, the nine, wisdom, the gift of knowledge, the gift of tongues, of healing, of miracles, those are the, the, the gifts, but actually, let, let me mention all the others in the other lists. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8. So I mentioned the ones about wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Romans 12, 6 to 8. Let me give you these. In Romans 12, 6 to 8, it mentions the gifts of prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, contributing, leadership, and the gift of mercy. Then in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it mentions apostle, prophet, teacher. Then it mentions miracles, kinds of healings, helps, administration, the gift of administration, and of tongues. Okay, we'll come back to some of these later. Ephesians 4, 1, uh, uh, 4 verse 11, which um, our brother Rian mentioned. Uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Then 1 Corinthians 7, 7, which is marriage and celibacy. All right, so those are the lists, and some of them are mentioned. Now, uh, uh, I think it was 1 Peter 4, but there, it's actually broad. It, it's just kind of, it, give, it actually doesn't mention specifically. It's just kind of, it summarizes, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that. Now, I want to ask you a question, that with the gifts that get mentioned, because you might feel tonight that the Lord has given you a spiritual gift, because what is the aim of the spiritual gifts? If we read... Uh, here we see that the spiritual gifts is given to bless the church or to actually for the good of the church, for the common good. So if God empowers you with an ability, and we'll look kind of break that down of what that looks like now, but if he gives you an ability, that ability is not given for yourself. Like, I am Superman, 
and I have powers full strength, you know, and I can jump as if you're going to make you feel good. A gift is given by the Lord to actually build up others in the body of Christ. It is not for you. It's not to make you feel good about yourself. It's not for your self-esteem so that you can feel like, finally, I'm loved, you know? Finally, I feel loved because now I've got a gift. It doesn't work like that. Um, and so the question is this, is that was these gifts meant to be exhaustive? In other words, when God mentions or the writer mentions these gifts, Paul and others, do you think that there's space for other gifts that are not mentioned here in these scriptures? For example, can you think of other spiritual gifts or gifts that we find in the church today that is not mentioned on these lists? Anyone would like to, to get? Yeah, Yana. Well, it is mentioned about how you interpret that, but it mentions the gift of knowledge. Ah, worship or the ability to play a musical instrument or lead people into worship. Now, it's mentioned in the Old Testament, but it's actually not specifically mentioned in the New Testament. The ability to... to, to now, you must acknowledge that that is a gift, surely. That the ability someone has to play to the glory of God to usher in the presence of the Lord is a beautiful thing. Yes, at the back, so. Um, the gift of hospitality. Hospitality is mentioned not as a gift, but as a practice. But I would agree with you. I think there's some people that seem to carry um, almost a supernatural ability to actually love strangers in a special way. So I actually would agree with you on that. There are others. There are quite a few others. Yeah. Comforting, that would go with mercy. That would be the gift of mercy, most likely. Anyone else? What about anyone else? There one or two others you can think of? Yeah. Technical skills. <laughs> <laughs> you're just trying to justify. You just, make, you, want to make, you just want to feel good that the Lord, you also. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's a good one, yeah. All right. <laughs> yes. Okay, the ability to dream dreams or see visions, possibly, uh, or, or interpret dreams. Uh, yeah, that could possibly be. What about intercession? How many of you believe that you've almost that, that you have an ability to pray? But we all we all call to pray. But there's almost some people that pray. And if you've been a Christian for a while, you'll you'll understand that there's some people who almost are called to pray. It's like they've got a gift to unlock heaven, so to speak, or intercede on behalf of others. Right? But we don't see this mentioned in, in, in the same way. But we would generally acknowledge that there's some people that are graced to do that. Now, I want to I I make the point and argue that these gifts that are mentioned by Paul are not meant to be exhaustive. They're meant to be an example of the fact that God is so creative. And he, he mentions some rather than saying you have to fit into one of those. So it's possible, I believe, that you can walk in things that maybe are not mentioned here. But it's for the building up of the body of Christ, and it's empowered. Um, I'll give you an example, just very practically. We've got a lady, you know, I, was, I lived in Edgemead. I was involved in leading our Edgemead congregation for a number of years. And we had a lady who had an incredible gift of making people feel loved in a very practical way. She was a very good baker and could make food. And when people were ill, I suppose maybe it was linked to mercy or something, but she had an ability to make food and to give people food just as showing the love of God. 
And that was part of her gift makeup. You know, it, she didn't fit somehow into one of those lists in a very clear way. But every time she brought you food, and she said, and she would often do this, I was praying, and I felt the Lord tell me that I must bake you a chicken pie. <laughs> what? Like the Lord likes chicken pie? No, you do. You like chicken pie, you know? Building up with the body of Christ. <laughs> and, and she would come, and often it was one of those evenings where maybe my wife was overrun, and, the, you know, it was a difficult night, and she just felt in the Lord to bless. Let me say that we experienced the love of God in a way that if someone had come to pray for us, that would have been good or prophesy over us, but someone came and met a practical need. There's something in that that comes from the Lord. I think the point here, and, and this is, let's have a look quickly at 1 Peter 4 verse 10. And in 1 Peter 4 10, I didn't, we didn't put this up, I don't think. Is it on there somewhere? 1 Peter 4 10. And this is, the, this is kind of the overview. And I want you to catch the heart of the scripture with this, this kind of this varied grace of God. It says, each of you, I'm going to read it from the NIV. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. So it says, whatever gift you have. I'm going to unpack that a little bit now. As faithful stewards, or like a manager, of God's grace in its various forms. And he's saying here that God's grace comes in varied forms, in creative ways. And you can't always put God's grace or his, his spiritual gifts in a box. Sometimes it comes out in ways, but it comes to bless the body of Christ. And, um, you know, and I want to just give it in two ways. Is that What does it look like? Well, in two ways. Number one, God can empower, because remember that word in 1 Corinthians 12 says the Holy Spirit empowers you. In other words, he gives you an ability. And number one, I want to say that he can give he can take your natural ability, that maybe you have a natural ability in something, and he can anoint that or take that and enhance it and actually use it to bless other people. For example, some of you might have a natural ability for leadership, and you've always been that guy at school, you're the troublemaker, and you lead people astray. You know, you'd led people into trouble. This guy was like that, that guy, Ruben from the Netherlands. He, he was an influencer. He had something of an ability to lead people, but he always led them in the wrong direction. <laughs> he's now born again, and he's filled with the Spirit. And, and that same thing, that, that some intrinsic thing that he was born of, maybe it's a gift to the Father that he was born with at birth. The Lord has now taken that and is using that and empowering him to now lead people in the kingdom of God right? And so sometimes God can take a natural ability to do that. And we've seen that take place in various ways. Um, some people uh, musically. Generally, if you are musical from a young age, chances are you're going to stay musical. And if you become a Christian and you get filled with the Spirit, God can enhance your musical ability to serve the church. If you are born and you, not, you don't have, and you're young and you grow up and you, you don't have, you tone deaf. Like when you sing, it's like, Oh, great, thou art, you know, you can't sing. You know, it's like, please, sing in the shower, because at least God will appreciate you. We don't want to hear your songs, you know, and it's like that kind of person. Now, when you're going to get filled with the Spirit, there's a good chance that suddenly the Holy Spirit won't suddenly make you to have a beautiful voice, because God often takes our natural abilities and he enhances them in him, and in some ways, they, maybe it's linked to Romans 12. It's, it's kind of the gifts of the Father in some way that he enhances. And experience, that's my experience. Can God change your voice? Yes. I just haven't seen it yet. 
And again, I, I could be wrong on that. Okay. So there's one sense that it's a natural ability. And so I want to encourage you that if you feel sometimes like you've got nothing to give, sometimes you've got to take what's in your hand. And you say, Lord, this is what I have. Maybe I could never preach, or I feel like I could never prophesy or speak, you know, or do one of those. But Lord, you've given me something in my hand. For my friend from Edgemead, Linda, what was in her hand is she was able to make things and bake, and she did it to the glory of God to build up and to show the love of God to people. Um, and so God can do that. And in one sense, that's part of God's varied grace. But the second thing that spiritual gifts empower is God gives you new abilities. And this is the thing of spiritual gifts, the implication of 1 Corinthians 12, is that God gives you an ability that you didn't have. And this is where the supernatural gifts of the Spirit would then come in. Gifts, for example, like the gift of tongues or the ability to prophesy. I know Milani Dutoy was in here, and, and I think you, you had the ability to have a discernment of spirits or to walk in the gift of faith and the gift of healing. I remember, um, um, for me, I was never a leader at school. And in fact, I, I, I think I made class captain in grade three. Class captain. And after that, it went downhill. I, just, I was always overlooked. I was never a prefect. I was never a leader. And I hated standing up in front of the class to do school orals. I would get nervous. I would stutter. I used to get like ease for my, my school oral, like 40%. But after I got born again, and, and I remember after I got filled with the Holy Spirit, it was strange. And I remember the night I got filled with the Holy Spirit in a very tangible way where I knew that I knew that the Lord had done something in my life. It's, it's, I was filled. I was impacted by him in a very tangible way. And after that, it was like suddenly people began to say, and I was a, then a, a, a working, well, not working, I was studying at university, and I was part of a Christian group, and people began to say, Mike, hey, won't you come and join our leadership team? And I was like, me? I'm not a leader. No, no, we see leadership on your life. What? No, I'm not a leader. And I ran away from it. Then they said, Mike, we see that there's a calling on your life to come and, and to share and to teach. Would you come and teach? Huh? Me? No. Uh-uh-uh. And I ran away from it for, 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 a number, for, for a period of time. But I realized that what happened is that God had empowered me, had graced me with something, a, a gift of leadership that I, was, I don't believe I was born with. And that's just one example of an ability to teach. It was a, a gift of the Lord that I could not earn or deserve. Some of you, maybe that's been the case where you are filled with the Spirit and the Lord has given you a gift of wisdom or a gift of, you know, something where you can, some of you have the gift of faith. Do you just believe God? You know, where, where, where some say, oh, we're going to do that. And you say, yes, the Lord, we're going to go do that. We're going to go do that in his name. You know, maybe it's to pray for a sick person and God has given you an ability to pray for, for healing. And it's like, you know, when you pray, something's going to happen. And others are like, uh-uh. You're like, yes, we're going to go. There's faith and there's healing. Uh, um, Will Murray, that was in Josh Jen for a number of years, Will Murray, who passed away of cancer last year, I knew Will, uh, uh, Will, William very well. The one gift that William had, he had the gift of faith. And when he would trust God for something, it would seem impossible to everyone else. And Will was like, we're going to go take that mountain. That mountain's going to go into the sea. And everyone was, no, Will, that's too hard. He's like, no, the Lord has said. And he just had this ability to trust God. 
That's 1 Corinthians 12, the gift of faith. Not saving faith, but faith for a specific situation. That's like God imparts something into you of confidence and an ability in God. Amen? So God is creative. And, um, and so under point number one, this thing is there are many different types of gifts. And God distributes these gifts as, uh, and we'll look at the other ones now. I want to ask you one more question, and then we're going to take a break. We'll take a, a, a 10-minute break. Is it possible for one person to have all the gifts? That if we have all these different gifts of the Spirit distributed in varied ways in the body of Christ, is it possible for one person to have it all? You know, if you look at Ephesians 4, for example, the, the evangelist, the prophet you're the apostle, you're the prophet, you're the pastor, you're the teacher, you're the full package. Or all the other gifts. What do you think? You believe so, okay? Why would you say so? All right. Okay, so you would say so. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> okay. Um... Okay, um, he definitely operated, he was very gifted, there's no doubt about that, that he was more than, you know, he definitely, the Lord used him in a multiple variety of ways. Uh, I don't know if we can say he had all the gifts. <laughs> yes, sir, you, spot on. <laughs> Google says he was, man. Um, well, yeah, okay, we're going we're gonna to rabbit trail, because you're tempting me now, I'm going to, there's a chance he was probably married and possibly divorced because his wife, um, anyway, was probably a Jewish believer who possibly had, anyway, you see, we're going to get now, etc. But that's, okay, but, but, but he, it, oh, okay, stop. Mike, stop. Sorry, <laughs> we can talk at the break. All right, so you say that if, 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 if you can operate in all the gifts, then where is the body of Christ? Why would we need one another? That's a good point. That's a very good point. Okay. Okay. Okay, we're the body. Right, so I'm going to try and clarify maybe both statements, and I think we've got to be faithful to Scripture. So the first thing, let's go on to 1 Corinthians 12, and let's look at verse 12, verse 27. And um, then 28, 29, 30. And um, the implication, if you look at the body, this thing of one body with many members, that's the heading, you know, in my Bible and from further up. But in verse 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and you're individually members of it. And so as members of it, he says earlier, you know, if God has called you to be the hand, you can't be the hand and the head. You can't say, I am the whole body of Christ. You know, it would be a bit arrogant to, to think that, right? Because implication is you are part of the body and you add in, and that therefore you need, the hand needs the arm. The hand can't say, I am the hand of God. I'm going to operate on my own. I have hand ministry. And then off he goes, you know, he's the hand, and he, he's not operating. We, we, we know that that's not right. But let's carry on. It says, now, members of it, now listen carefully, and um, let's look at verse 29. Uh, or, uh, let's go to verse 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, various kinds of tongues. 
Here's a question. Are all apostles? What do you think? No. That's a rhetorical question. Are all prophets? Doesn't mean we can't pro all prophesy, but we're not all prophets. Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Interesting. So while some movement says that everyone needs to work miracles, I know Bethel would be one of them. While we appreciate their love for the miraculous, but clearly that we have different parts of the body and not all are miracle workers. Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret but earnestly desire the higher gifts? So on the one side is I want to say if we're part of a body, you can't actually operate in all the gifts. But because we have the giver of the gifts living inside of you, so, and the gifts, he empowers you in certain things. If you're in a situation where no one else is around you, and the body of Christ is not around you, and you have to maybe, maybe the Lord plants you in Timbuktu, and there's no other believers, and God has said to you, I'm, you're going to plant a church in Timbuktu, a 412 church, you and your dog, and your kids, and, and your husband, and your wife, and that's it, you go to Timbuktu. You're it. And so God will empower you to maybe operate in gifts that you wouldn't normally operate in because no one else is available. But if someone else joins you who has that area of grace gifting in their lives, then you're not needed anymore. The Holy Spirit can use them and so reflect the beauty of the body of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? All right, so we need one another. And I want to say that the bigger the church chances are that your gift, you're going to become more, maybe you were the arm and the hand. And maybe when the church was like 20 people, Christopher was the neck, he was the mouth, he was the ear, and he had to do a lot more. But now that the congregation's grown, he's going to equip you to do the works of the ministry. And you will be doing much more of the ministry because we, we're reflecting the body of Christ. What is unhealthy is if one person tries to do it all. That's not God's way, Okay. I'll just, I'll end with the story quickly. You know, I mentioned that we planted a church in Otsuren. That, that's a miracle of itself. And by, by the grace of God, the church grew. I mean, it grew nicely. You know, we had leaders and home groups and elders. And in that church, when we started, um, I've got a worship leading background. I can actually lead worship. And I, I'm not bad, actually, at all. I'm actually gifted to be a worship leader. I'm not being proud. I'm just, that's, it is true. <laughs> anyway. But I'm, I don't lead anymore because also I don't, I don't need to lead. There's others way more gifted than I am who can lead worship. But when you planted in Oatsorn, I, I was the worship leader. And I had to preach because there was no one else. And I had to do the administration. And my wife did kids ministry. So what we'd do is we'd arrive in the morning. And we had some guys to help. We'd pack out the chairs. And then people would arrive. And, you know, maybe 20, 30 people. And I'd like, hey, Nice to meet you. I'd be going around greeting everyone. You know, oh, I'm, you know, Mike, and, and welcome to new church and greet everyone. And then, I'd, then it's time to start. It's like, okay, let's, then I'd grab the mic. Good morning, everyone. You know, mine is mine. And I would start the meeting and I would lead the meeting. And then I'd say, we're going to worship the Lord this morning. And so why doesn't the worship team come up? Good morning, everyone. <laughs> I was the worship team. Maybe we had one guy on the tambourine, you know. The, yeah. And we had the tambourine. And that was it. And I led worship probably three weeks out of four for about two years. And then it was time after the worship. We are now going to come to the Word of God, put the guitar down. <clears throat> right, let's turn to the Word of God this morning. <laughs> Let me say it wasn't healthy, but it was, was necessary. And the Lord actually 
used me in ways that today I'm not needed in because we're part of a body. Thank God for that. Amen? And so here we have, there are many kinds of gifts. And I want you to honor and recognize people that are around you that are different. Thank God that you are not the whole, the whole picture. Thank God you don't, thank God that we, we need one another. This crazy bunch of people that show the love of God.